This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Ah, good morning, everybody. Grab a seat. Well, that was awesome, wasn't it? Yeah. Hey, if you missed the memo, Thanksgiving is over. It is now Christmas season. Did you figure that out? Yeah, welcome to the Christmas season. And hey, at New Life, we do a great job of celebrating Jesus' birth and death and resurrection pretty much every Sunday. But during the Christmas season, somehow there's a special intensity to our joy. Hope you noticed. Uh, It's going to be a great Christmas season. I just want to tell you right up front, you will not want to miss our Christmas Eve service. I, I, I heard about it the other day from our worship pastor, and I can tell you, you are not going to want to miss that service. That's going to be awesome. So you can see the details about it later. Uh, hey, why is Christmas so great? Because the difference maker of eternity showed up. If you could think of life as hanging in the balances, when God comes to earth and jumps on one side of the scale, guess what? It's going to go that direction, right? And aren't we glad that God jumped on the side of grace and love? And uh, so we're going to be laying that out throughout this Christmas season, and that's going to be a whole lot of fun. For those of you who are newbies to New Life, my name is Ron. I'm the founding pastor of our church, not the current lead pastor, the founding pastor. You're going to meet Kevin in a few minutes. He's our lead pastor. Great guy. I know you're going to love him. He's got a surprise or two for you. Uh, I'm going to be teaching us this morning for the next 30 minutes or so. And so I'm in, I want to invite you along on that journey. Um, we're honored that you're here and you bring a special joy about you. Uh, and, and so every Sunday we're blessed that so many of you come and visit for the first time and then you hang around and it's, it's what makes our church a whole lot of fun. So if this is your first time, welcome aboard. I'm going to introduce you to a couple of tools that we make available to everybody. We, those of us who come here all the time use them uh, pretty much every Sunday. The first is this card. It gives everyone who comes the uh, opportunity to communicate directly with our staff. You can ask questions. You can ask the staff to pray about something that's going on in your life. You can volunteer for projects that we work on as a church. All sorts of things that you can do. Uh, this makes them all available to you. At this point in the service, we usually remind everyone, put your name on the front side. And if you're new, put your email address because we would love to follow up with you if you want information or prayer or any of those things. We would love to follow up with you. But we can't do that unless we have some form of contact information. At the end of our service, we'll be collecting those. So you can just hang on to them. And as we work our way through the service, if there's uh, something you want to write on there, feel free to do that. The other tool is this. It's uh, teaching notes. Uh, Over the next 30 minutes as I teach you, there's some fill-in-the-blanks if that helps you learn. You might want to write some stuff in the margins. Uh, Anything that would help you learn because at New Life, every Sunday is a learning experience. Uh, We're so glad that you're here. Uh, As a church, we're going to make an investment in each of our lives today. So that hopefully when you walk out the door in a few minutes, that you will be better prepared to live life. You know a little bit more about how God works. You'll know a little bit more about how your life is supposed to work. And even the next step or two that you could take uh, as, as you build your life brick by brick uh, into what it's supposed to be and what you can enjoy along the way. So um, 
That will guide you through the whole teaching and learning process. Now we're in a teaching series called, I Believe in God, But, and in my notes I put in parentheses, insert tough question here. Because that's literally what we're doing. I believe in God, but what about this? Or what about that? And today we're going to address a subject that I know if you've hung around any church for any length of time, or you have a a friend who is a follower of Christ, that this subject has probably been brought up in the context somewhere. So here's the tough question for the day. How can one God be Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all at the same time? And that's what we're, that's what we're going to jump into. And I, I brought along a couple of, of teaching props that will help us. But I want to teach you a principle first, and, and then I'll use the props. So the first principle I want us to know, and just admit right up front, is this. That we tend to be naturally skeptical of anything that we don't understand or can't explain. Like, how can one God be Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? We tend to be skeptical of those things. So I, I went to my wood shop and I, I whipped out this little thing right here. And um, I'm going to balance it on the end of my finger like this. That'd be a little tough, right? Without a little glue, right? So I brought along a standard belt. It happens to be my belt. And an amazing thing happens when you put a belt into this slot. Because of one of the principles of physics, the amazing thing is it now sits on the end of my finger. That's kind of cool, don't you think? Yeah, there you go. I first saw that when I was a senior in high school in my physics class, and I was thinking, hey, that belt is clear off the end of my finger, and so is this thing. How does that stay on there? For some of you, you're not going to hear another thing I say the rest of the morning. You're going (laughs) to... You're going to be going, I don't know, how does that work, right? But the, yeah, the, right. The, it's a principle that some of us can know and understand, and others of us are like, I have no clue how that works. But the, but the tendency we all have is when we don't understand something is to be skeptical of it, right? Can we just admit that up front? Yeah. Now, I want to teach a second principle which goes along with it, and this might be a little more disturbing. And the second principle is this. We accept, trust, and even rely every day on many things that we don't understand and can't explain. And that might make us feel a little uneasy. But the truth is, we do. It's time for honesty at church. So, I, yes, you can raise your hands. I want to know, how many of you ever put on something that looks like this? got up on your bed, and jumped off and secretly hoped that somehow you could now fly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The rest of you are all liars, I know. Yeah, where's the Wonder Woman cat? All right, I said something like this, all right? There you go, yeah. We... The truth is, did you fly? Yeah, right, yeah, right. <laughs> Straight to the floor. That's Why is that? Well, here's the deal, okay? Gravity. You are a human being and you're subject to gravity. In fact, if your neighbor put on one of these and started flying around, you'd get weirded out, wouldn't you? (laughs) Of 
course you would. Why? Because we rely on gravity and a whole bunch of other things. If I said to you, would you please take a piece of paper and scientifically explain gravity? Where does that force come from? Why, is it, why does it exist? Who, who or how is that force made? Where does it get its energy? There's probably not a person sitting in this room that could actually dig all the way down to the foundation of the forces that exist inside of atoms and that exist inside of mass that creates that attraction. And yet, we know and rely on gravity every day. And in fact, if you got up and gravity took a break, you think you're in trouble now. Yeah. You see, the inertia that we have to overcome is when I talk to you about something like how can one God be Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all at the same time, I'm going to admit right up front that that's going to be be beyond anything that any of us in this room can fully comprehend or can fully explain. But what I want you to know up front is don't freak out at that because there's all sorts of things in your world that you rely on every day that you cannot fully understand and you certainly can't explain to your neighbor. Are we on board with that? Yeah. Yeah. So let's take our Bibles and let's just see what does God say about his essence, about this Father, Son, and Holy Spirit thing. And there are four basic principles taught in Scripture, and I'm going to move through them relatively quickly, and I'll take you to the Bible for each one. The first truth is this. There's only one God. Now, I know that's not real popular here in Sonoma County or in Marin County, or maybe in any of the neighboring counties. But contrary to popular belief, you don't get to pick a little of this God and a little of that God and a little of that God and craft your own God. God wants you to know up front that He is the only one. In my notes, I wrote, no peers and no competition. Got it? Now, Notice how clearly he states this. He puts it like six different ways just in one passage. Let me read it to you. I alone am God. You might circle the word alone. There is no other God. You could circle no other, right? There never has been and there never will be. Are you getting his drift? It's not too ambiguous, is it? Right? I, yes, I am the Lord, and there is no other. From eternity to eternity, I am God. No one can snatch anyone out of my hand, and no one can undo what I have done. I would say God has stated his case very clearly. There is only one God. The second principle that's taught in Scripture is this, that God exists in three distinct God persons. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, right away, in the first chapter of the Bible, God begins to unfold this mystery that we're we're poking into today. Because in Genesis chapter 1, that's the first book in your Bible, the very first chapter, the 26th verse, here's what God says. God said, let us, not let me, let us make human beings in our, not my, image. From the very beginning of the Bible, God refers to himself using the plural form of words. Even though there's only one God, he says, let us. Hmm. 
That's because all the way through Scripture, we see these three distinct God persons working together as one God. And you see this trio often throughout Scripture. Take a look at this passage. The Holy, this is the angel coming to Mary to tell her that she's going to be pregnant and she's going to give birth to Jesus. A great verse for the Christmas season. Here's what the angel says. The Holy Spirit, there's one, will come upon you and the power of the Most High, that's the Father, will overshadow you so the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the what? Son of God. Over and over, several passages that I'm going to be reading to you for different reasons throughout the morning, you're going to see Father, Son, and Holy Spirit always grouped together and always considered the one God. So there's the point number two. God exists in three distinct God persons. Let's go to principle number three. Each of the three God persons is God, not a portion of God. Not a demigod, but each of the three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is God. Here's a passage about God the Father. When Peter, who was personally trained as one of the twelve apostles by Jesus Christ, when he writes and opens up his first book in the Bible, Peter starts like this, God the Father. That's pretty clear, isn't it? God the Father knew you and chose you long ago, And his, what's the next word? There's a second, it has made you holy. As a result, you have obeyed him and have been cleansed by the blood of whom? Jesus Christ. There's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all in the same passage. But you notice right up front, it's God the Father. So there you go. That's what pastors usually call God the Father. Let's talk about God the Son for a minute. Take a look at this passage. And there's any number of these passages throughout Scripture. Again, the angel is talking to Mary. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. Listen, when Jesus was born, the name that heaven gave him was not God is near. It is God is with us. Or he's a kind of God or almost, no, 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 fully God God came to live with us. We're going to poke into that a little bit later this morning as well. Let's talk about the Holy Spirit. Is the Holy Spirit God? Well, again, Peter, who was personally trained by Jesus, got his theology straight from Jesus. There was a couple in the church who decided that church is a good place to lie. Good decision or bad decision? What do you think? Bad decision. There's no good place to lie. But above all else, not at church. So they decided to lie at church. And I want you to notice how Peter responded to them. Peter said, Ananias, that was the husband, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to whom? The Holy Spirit. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but to whom? To God. You see, this is God, the Holy Spirit. So, One God exists in three persons. Each of those distinct God persons is fully God. And the last principle that we want to go over is God doesn't want us to be confused and think, oh my goodness, there must be three gods. He's very clear about this, okay? That all of these three God persons are the one God 
because the three God persons are one God. Here's how Moses stated it back in Deuteronomy chapter 6. He says, the Lord our God, the Lord is what? One. And there are many passages in Scripture that say that exact principle. So I want to say one other thing at this point, because I know that there are people out there who will say, well, I don't believe in the Trinity because the word Trinity doesn't exist in Scripture. And technically, it depends upon which translation you read. In the Old King James, no, it does not. And there are some modern translations. The word Trinity does not appear, but the word Godhead does, which is simply another word for the concept of the Trinity. So don't, don't get tripped up by that. The principle is all throughout Scripture. So that brings us back. This is what the Bible says. That brings us back to our original question. How can one God be Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all at the same time? Before I tell you the truth about that, I want to pull a card out of the deck that every parent uses. Okay? I don't care who you are. I don't care what culture you come from. Every parent puts this card on the table sometimes, and the parents love this card, and the kids hate it. Now I know I have your interest, right? (laughs) When you get old enough to understand, I'll explain this to you. Your kids go, oh, thank you. I'm so glad you love me that much. (laughs) No, I want to know. You know what the deal is? As kids, we often ask questions that we have no capacity to understand the actual answer to that question. And as parents, we're stuck in a tough spot. I can either tell the kid, when you get old enough to understand, I'll explain it to you, and the kid will be very unhappy and unsatisfied with that answer, or we can lay an answer on them that they'll look at us like, what was that? Did you know God says that to us? See, when you ask God, how can one God be Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you're actually asking a question that you don't have the capacity to understand the answer to. So here's how it unfolds. The real answer is, how can this be true? Because God is supernatural. He's not subject to the laws that govern the world in which you and I live. Therefore, he has the ability to do all sorts of things that sort of defy the natural laws that you and I are used to, like the laws of time and space, where you and I cannot be three people and one person all at the same time, even though you might think one of your kids is at different times, or maybe your husband or wife. I won't get into that, but... Truthfully, you cannot be three and one all at the same time, but God doesn't work like that. Now notice, Paul was writing to the people in the city of Corinth, which was a city of ancient Greece, and it was world-renowned for a number of things, but one of the things it was world-renowned for was their brass mirrors. Because back in those days, they didn't have chrome mirrors like you and I have. So the best that they could come up with was brass. And they would polish it the best that they could back in those days. And when you looked into it, you could see a dim reflection of yourself. So Paul writes to the people in Corinth, and notice what he says to them. Now we see a dim reflection as if we were looking into a mirror. 
But then we will see clearly. Now I know only a part, but then I will know fully as God has known me. See this, there are many things about walking with God that still have mystery to them. And the Bible's answer for mystery is not full understanding and full explanation. The Bible's answer to mystery is a thing called faith. It's learning to trust God in what we can't fully understand or can't fully explain. Knowing that, when we get old enough, a.k.a. when we die and we are given a celestial or an eternal nature, that we will then know fully even as we are known. But for now, we're kids. Got it? And we know partially, we understand partially, and we can only partially explain. And that's where faith comes in. Now that's a practical side. I want to close over the next few minutes by getting into what I think is the most practical application. Because I actually have a confession to make. When Kevin came to me and said, Hey Ron, we have this new sermon series on tough questions and I have a perfect sermon for you. How can one God be Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all at the same time? I didn't say this to his face, but what went on on the inside of me was, how could you give me that boring topic? I mean, first of all, it's not really understandable, and secondly, it's sort of like clinical. When people leave, what are they going to leave with? Well, now I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sure glad that founding pastor doesn't speak every Sunday. So I sat with God, and I began to press into this. And God began to download something to me that just moved me to tears on the subject. I don't want to spend the next 10 to 12 minutes just laying it out for you. Because when you leave today, I want you to know and begin to sense in your heart how much God loves you. How deeply God loves you. So when I began to press into God, I was struck with this realization that the God that we sang about, this is the God I know, and all those things, that the God that that we know is a limitless God. He could have manifested and revealed himself to us in ten different God persons, or just as one God person. But he chose three. And he not only chose three, but why did he choose that three? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So I began to press into that. What God began to reveal to me. He doesn't actually say this anywhere in the Bible. But I believe it to be true now. Here's my best guess. Because these three distinct God persons speak to three of the deepest needs we all have 
as human beings. He was meeting us where we are. Let's, let's poke into that a little bit. Why God the Father? Because every one of us has a deep desire and a deep need to be fully loved and fully included. And when I say fully loved, I mean completely loved, not something you have to earn, but something that you get just because you are. And not something that you ever question that you might lose. And did you know that a parent's love is the closest thing to that that you and I will ever experience on this earth? I can tell you <laughs> I can tell you that when you are born, the moment you are born, if you were born into a home with a normal, healthy, somewhat functional father and mother, that you were loved fully and immediately and immediately included, and they started putting up with a lot of junk from you. I remember specifically when one of our children was born and the doctor, I mean literally like 30 seconds, the doctor was holding this child up by one leg. The child peed, pooped, and cried. The doctor looked at me and said, all systems work. <laughs> yep. And we were changing wet diapers and dirty diapers and, and cleaning up messes for months. But fully loved fully included, never a question that that would be lost. Listen, most of you know, if you come here any length of time, I love to hug you on the way in and on the way out. I, I dearly love every one of you. And when I hug you, I don't hold anything back. I love you. But I have a little confession to make. That when I hug one of my kids, there's something else that happens here. It's just a father's love. Yeah. Fully, completely, unearned, and never threatened. So you know what God says? I will be God the Father to you. So Jesus' 12 disciples came to him and said, you seem to have a relationship with God that we don't have. Can you teach us to pray so we can end up with that relationship? And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, this is how you should pray then. What are the first two words? Our Father. That's where you begin. If you're ever going to know God and you're ever going to walk with God, and you're ever even going to begin to understand who God is, you have to understand that He has chosen to be your Father. And He has chosen that you would be His son or His daughter. So that's why God the Father. Why God the Son? When you were in kindergarten, you used to play this game where the teacher would show you a picture or put things up on, the, on a little table and say, one of these 
is not like the other. Remember that game? Yep. Well, believe it or not, you and I still play that game. So in our happy little family, we have God the Father, we have God the Son, we have God the Holy Spirit, and we have me. One of these is not like the other. Three of them are perfect. Which one? Yeah, right. One of us is miles from perfect. Monica and I were doing some cleaning out of our storage area in, in the shop, and we were going back through 45 years of history and pictures and letters that we had written to each other and notes that we wrote to each other. And I kept coming across notes of apology that I had written to her. And I sort of gigged her and I said, you notice which one writes apologies? (laughs) She looked back and said, you notice which one of us needs to? (laughs) We did not press into that conversation any further lest we both needed to write one, right? So, you know, I was just reminded. Here's a person that I love more than any other person on the face of planet Earth. And yet, somehow, I manage to hurt her. We are all messed up and broken in some ways. And in those ways, we hurt other people. And here's our question. I know that I'm God's son or God's daughter. But there's a part of me that feels like I don't really belong in his family. Because I'm not worthy to be there. And I keep messing up. There's something else about this. There's something inside our human spirit that wants to look at God and say to him, Oh yeah, God, I understand you're perfect. I think if you would just transport me to heaven where everything is great, I could probably handle the trials up there pretty easy. But you have no idea what it's like to be born down here and to live down here. And while I appreciate your love, man, it's hard down here. So God says, Okay, I got it. I will not only be God the Father to you, I will come and I will live on your earth. I won't show up on Friday and leave on Sunday, die on the cross and do all my stuff in three days. I will choose to be born as one of those babies and I will know what it's like to have my diapers changed and I will know what it's like to have my parents frustrated with me and I will know what it's like to be bullied and I will know what it's like to be a teenager who's part adult and part child and frustrating to myself and and and, and yet figuring it out and and, and I will grow up and I, I want to know what it's like to choose an occupation that my parents don't think that I'm really qualified for 
Did you know that one time in the middle of his ministry, the Bible says that Jesus was so busy, he didn't have time to eat. So his mother rounded up all his siblings and they went to get him and bring him home so they could take him back to the carpenter shop to a life that they knew he could handle. Did you know that? Yeah. Some of you chose occupations that your parents sat there and shook their heads at. Said that'll never work. Jesus knew what that was like. More than likely, Jesus' earthly father, Joseph, died in his teenage years. Some of you know what that's like. And when it came time to die, Jesus said, don't give me the easy way out. Don't give me some lethal injection that I just go to sleep and never wake up. He actually chose... The, the most painful form of execution that has ever been invented in history. You know why? Because when Jesus came, he said, I don't want a partial dose of humanity. I want the full thing. Because God said, when I come, I want my people to know that I do know. And I know by experience. So he came not just as God the Father, but as God the Son. Take a look. Because God's children are human beings, made of flesh and blood. The Son also became flesh and blood, for only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil, who had the power of death, and that's a subject for another sermon. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. That's an amazing thing. But what God is saying to you and me is of all the ways that I could choose to reveal myself to you, I want to reveal myself to you as a fellow human being, God the Son, and your personal partner. While I am a fellow human being, I will give my life on the cross. I will pay the penalty for your sins and I will make sure that you are fully forgiven and fully accepted just as you are. Now why God the Holy Spirit? Because a third need that we have or a third basic fear that we have is that we would ever be fully alone in this life. In the most meaningful moments of our life, the one thing we do not want to be is alone. When we get married, we don't want to get married alone. When we lay on our deathbed, no one wants to die alone. When our kids get married, we invite our family and friends. All the way through life, we realize, I don't ever want to be fully alone. And by the way, Lots of studies have been done. When any one of us concludes that we are truly alone, that we make no difference to anyone and no one really cares and we have no friends and no one is walking with us through this life and we could exit this earth and it wouldn't make any difference, we do terrible things. Most often, we either take our own life or we take a whole bunch of other people's lives. It's a very terrible place to be. God says to us, 
as his children. I don't ever want you ever to be truly alone. So I will come to you and meet you as God the Holy Spirit and I will live inside you. So that no matter where you are or where you go or whatever happens to you, you will never be alone. I will be with you. Tell you a story out of my life. In 1991, I was in Lahore, Pakistan uh, to, uh, to link up with a missionary uh, in Lahore, Pakistan. I had never heard of the town. I thought it was a little burg. It was 7 million people. That's as big as the entire Bay Area all put together in one city, right? Seven million people. I landed there about seven or eight o'clock at night. I had in my hand a piece of paper that had the name of the missionary and the address where he lived, and that was all the contact information I had. I didn't know what he looked like. He didn't know what I looked like. So trying to find him in a crowd of people would be a little tough. So I got I claimed my bags. I walked outside, and there was like 5,000 people all crowded outside this barrier, uh, ready to claim their loved ones, but they couldn't come inside because they didn't have tickets. And so I thought, this is great. I'm the only white guy in the whole place. I cannot be that hard to spot. So I took my suitcase, and like an orphan, I started walking back and forth in front of the crowd, and it took about 10 minutes to get from end to end. And the third time I had walked from end to end, the horrible realization hit me, there's nobody here for me. At that point, it was not an advantage to be the only white guy. I didn't know what I was going to do. I had no telephone number. I had no place to stay. About that time, a guy came walking up out of the crowd, and I thought, oh, thank God. This is, this is the missionary. He said to me, sir, you look lost. I said, yeah, I am. He said, why are you here? And I said, well, I'm looking for this guy. And I showed him the paper. He said, no problem. I got a friend who owns an auto rickshaw. That's a motorcycle with a bench seat on the back of it and a little cover that comes up. And he goes, no one knows the city like my buddy. He can find anybody in any place. He said, he'll take you. So he goes, gets his friend, and he shows his friend this piece of paper, and the friend gets this look of, that was not a good feeling for me. Yeah, so they jabber back and forth, and eventually his friend says, come on, get in. He, no, he didn't say, I don't know what he said, because he didn't speak a word of English. And I don't speak a word of Punjabi. So there we go. So I climb in the back of his auto rickshaw, and we head off. And my friends, it is pitch black. There is not a single street light in a city of 7 million people. There was no moon out that night. It was pitch black. And we head out. And this guy starts, you know, he'd stop. When he, every time he'd see somebody on the street, he'd stop, he'd show them the paper, and they'd go. And he would get in. Listen, got in there at 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, midnight. We're back in the guts of this city, driving among buildings that are just in shambles, stopping everyone, 1 o'clock, Two o'clock, three o'clock. 
I'm in a city of 7 million Arabs, and I'm the only white guy. And I know when the sun comes up, there are anti-American demonstrations that are happening all over the city. I'm not feeling real safe. If there was ever a time in my life I felt fully alone. There was. Half a world away. And I get this question from God. Hey, I'm here with you. Is that enough? Or do you always need another human being? It was a terrifying moment, but it was a wonderful moment all at the same time because for the next half hour, while this guy was driving around, I wrestled with that question. And God and I wrestled that through the ground, all the way to the ground, and I decided that I would take God at his word and recognize when he said, Ron, I will be to you God the Holy Spirit. I will live in you, and I will never leave you. I'm here. Here's the promise Jesus made. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He's the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. He will never, what? Never leave you. Friends, here's this whole sermon in a single verse. This is how Paul closes this letter. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, you know what that is? Being fully forgiven and fully accepted as you are. And the love of God, you know what that is? That's being fully loved and included by your heavenly Father. And the fellowship of the Spirit, never be truly alone, be with you all. That would be God's prayer for you today. It's my prayer for you. So as we close, a couple things. For those of you who pray and you have been walking with God for quite a while, here's something for you to do this week. When you are working on issues in your life or anybody else's life that have to do with being loved and your identity and your security and all those things, then address that prayer to God the Father. When you're dealing with issues of feeling like you've messed up and you need to be forgiven and you're aware of your brokenness and, and you want to be transformed, then address that prayer to God the Son. When you're feeling alone or you feel like you need guidance in life and help in, in that way, address that prayer this week to God the Holy Spirit and you will begin to, to allow God to relate to you at your three most basic needs in this life in the way he's chosen for you. Now the best father in the world cannot help you if you don't connect with the best father in the world. And some of you as parents know what it's like to have a child walk out of your life and be disconnected from you. No matter how much love you have for them, they don't get it. God will not force himself on any of us, but he leaves the invitation open to us. So today, if you want to begin your walk with God, then there's a simple prayer that you can use as you get started. And I'm going to lead us in that. You can repeat it right where you are. 
Uh, Let's all bow our heads, and if you're ready to start that walk with God, here's the prayer. Loving Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me in these wonderful ways. Thank you for paying the penalty for my sin as God the Son. Thank you for coming to live in my heart as God the Spirit. And thank you for accepting me fully and loving me and including me in your family as God the Father. Today I choose to acknowledge that I am your son or your daughter. And I officially make my entrance into your family. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.